Now, I don't know. That's, actually, yeah. that's not true. I don't think you can just buy the founder out because with yeah. on equal level shareholders, everybody should get equal access to the deal. The following audios, the expressed opinions of the hosts and guests and do not reflect investment advice or recommendations of any kind. All funny jokes or just jokes, so don't get it twisted. This is the greatest day to ever exist, ever, if you're a grocery store. Brayden, ask me why. Why? Mainly because I buy my groceries on Sunday, so it's the day that I don't show up. But, <laughs> no, I'm going to feed this one to you because I, I was pretty pretty high on it. Um, I was going into like pre-IPO research, which means I read two articles on it, but there's this company Instacart that IPO today, they shot up today too, which super fun analysis on how that even works. And you get your IPO boom. And then especially if it was 2021, you just stayed high for a really long time. And then there are so many of those companies. I've got a list that we'll go through. So many of those companies that have just, hey. You've never heard of Instacart? Never heard of it. Wonder what that is. Dude, <laughs> let me tell you what. Somebody in 2012 had the same idea as like 10 million other people, which is why don't I just have an app that works like Uber and I could tell someone to go get these groceries for me at my grocery store. I pay an extra fee for them to do that and then bring those groceries to my house. Yeah. Brilliant. All these people with surplus income that can put it towards investments or pouring into fun memories with their kids or doing something worthwhile in the world are just saving 20 minutes every week on Christmas. No more Sunday, no more Sunday grocery trips. Maybe, maybe no more Sunday grocery. Dude, see, you're down. See, and also you and I talked about this. You hate doing just the app itself to like have the food picked out for you. I love that. I do not care what my cucumber looks like. <laughs> bring me all my produce yeah and i'll pick it up i'll like look at it there at the store and then i'm like okay i don't have it delivered because i definitely have you know <laughs> this box of strawberries has been stepped on 12 times yeah on this one uh, but i'll do that you're you're a little bit of no i have to like sniff every single fruit vegetable that i pick up and then i like examine it in ultraviolet light <laughs> i have to make sure it's legit I'm not going to lie. I think it was an Instacart. It was either Instacart or DoorDash commercial that I saw recently on an NFL game where they were like, it started off and there was a person smelling the bottom of a pineapple and then like somebody yeah. knocked a watermelon and stuff. And they're like, we understand groceries. And I was like, no, nah, not like I understand groceries. I'm better than that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's not an amount of money on earth that would make me go <laughs> use someone else's product. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Side note about groceries. So once again, super fun pod. This is called In This Economy, and we're just talking about groceries. But this company IPO'd today, so sort of co correlated. My wife found this software that I'm kind of afraid to tell you right now, and I wasn't going to mention it, but it did come up today. Um, it's basically like Farmville. It teaches you how to garden. So you choose the different vegetables and everything you want to do, and it puts it like on a map on your computer. And it says like, oh, if you put this vegetable here, you need to space this much from like this other type of vegetable or whatever plant you want to put in your garden. And if you're wanting to put like a raised bed, here's how you do it with the correct dimensions and everything. 
And so you can like drag and drop and pull. And it's, it's really addictive. I'm so that guy, dude. I am so, and I, I'm the guy that gets sucked named TikTok into the, uh, we subscribe to an Amish farm and that's where we get our, our eggs and our milk and all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I actually told Meg last night, I was like, I'm going to join the Amish farm co-op. Is that cool? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So Mr. Grocery man, and then you just grow everything yourself. I think you're just egotistical. You just, you just trust yourself more than maybe anyone else on the food. Bro, Deion Sanders ain't letting anybody else coach his kid's team. I'm not letting anybody do my food. That's how it is. I'm just a pro. Uh, It is. Maybe it is. It's what I should have done in a different life. Man, nice correlation between sports and exactly what we're talking about. Good job. Man. Got to bring sports in. Yeah. So, uh, our IPO, IPO, what's their valuation? Do you know? You have that on time? Uh, yeah, let me pull it up. Their ticker, fun fact, is CART. D-A-R-T. So they just nailed that one. Um, volume is through the roof. Um, at... 15.3 today. Good grief. And their valuation is like in the mid-teens, I want to call it. Billions? Yeah, uh, billions. Let's call it 14 billion. I mean, it's changing dramatically today. Yeah. But I think it came out today. Uh, oh, wait. 660 million. No, that's not right. That might have been the valuation they sh- they came out at. That is tiny. Really? I got to get, let me, for all our listeners who love us, that we do all this research before the pod. Uh, (laughs) Just finding the exact market cap on this company. I mean, it's up 30 plus percent today, so we'll see. But, I mean, yeah. Never mind, it's not in the mid-teens of the billions. That's a tiny company, dude. Dude, Crazy. Okay, yeah, you go start a $600 million company. Yeah, let's see you do that. Okay, you're right. 100% you're right. Can I tell you what it was two years ago in 2021? Uh-huh. Hypothetical valuation? Under that was in the billion. Yeah. You don't get unicorn status until you reach the B. That's it. And they were mega, mega unicorn. So I'm saying if they're under a billion, then I don't know. So rationally valued, it might be actually worth getting in. Who knows? Right. Yeah, there's a lot of price targets of like 55, 56, all these analysts. It's interesting. It's at 39 right now. So I wonder if big business has got to be worse than Uber's. If you think about it, Uber or Uber Eats or DoorDash or whatever, the other ones that pick up food for you. Well, I don't know. Uh, I guess I don't know how all Instacart works. Does the person who's getting your stuff from Instacart actually have to go in and do the grocery shopping for you? Or does the grocery store pull it all and then give it to them and they come pick it up? I think that's where the business has grown is all these grocery store chains like H-E-B, Randolph's, whatever, Whole Foods. They have apps where you can just get the food and then it's ordered ahead of time. And then now Instacart, it was, oh, this person will just go pick out all your groceries for you. And we have all the codes and everything and they'll get your exact grocery list. And you can save your time. But now those grocery stores can just they have employees that'll set all the food aside. So Instacart is now similar to DoorDash, yeah. where they just show up and pick up the food and they can spread it back. 
That's better. I was just thinking yeah. about like employee inefficiencies, having somebody that has to go spend an hour in the grocery store picking stuff out versus DoorDash. Just, yeah. I'm here. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Because I'm, if I'm looking for a certain syrup that was racist two years ago and it's <laughs> like on the bottom shelf or something, and that's what this person put, I'm spending 45 minutes looking for this dang syrup. For sure. And I'm probably going through different aisles, like just kind of looking for myself, like, oh, okay, I can get some of this for myself here. <laughs> I can charge this the little credit card they give me. Yeah, like buy everyone's food. Yeah. Oh, dude, for sure. They, they must have had so many of those inefficiencies. Wow. Uh, funny. How exciting. That's pretty good. For Instacart. So, congratulations to, uh, to old Instacart. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They're 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 on their way, I suppose. Uh, on the up, I mean, they're up thirty plus percent. Like I said, when the rest of the market going pretty down. I mean, flat day yesterday. We have the Fed meeting tomorrow, and just continuation notes days after. People are saying, and I'm not people. People are saying, no interest rate hike. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep it as is, hmm. but markets are going down. So if there's no interest rate hike tomorrow, markets always typically respond pretty well, unless Jerome Powell's like, yeah, we're not doing it now, but we'll do it next month or I don't know. I'll flip a coin and see how we're feeling, which is pretty awesome of him to do that because then markets go skittish. They yeah. bounce all up and down, but we'll see what actually happens. I have a philosophy, by the way, that it's not the actual interest rate where they sit that drives the market as much as the uncertainty and the change of them that drives the market. Part yeah. of it, like, even if they stabilize at six and a half percent, but the Fed's like, we're done, and they just stay there, like, things might be okay. Things can adjust, but it's the uncertainty of, like, even if it's the uncertainty of they might go down tomorrow, like, people don't know, and so, Yeah. Like, have you seen what's going on? Uh, England, China, interest rates, economy. Did the UK cut too? No. UK is just hiking them like crazy. They are in rubble. You're talking about China I, uh, cutting, right? Yes. China's cutting, UK is hiking. Yeah. Well, you saw Evergrande went bankrupt, filed bankruptcy, and then they were like, oh, damn. Let me do my shocked face. <laughs> wow. Wait, no way. Didn't see that coming. Wait, no way. Really? With everything that they had going on so well for them over the last few years? Great. Do you have more details on that for listeners? On Evergrande going bankrupt? How many details you yeah. will, which we get? The largest real estate real estate developer in China, um, responsible for like one third of their economy. Uh, goes bankrupt, but has been bankrupt for like months. Just kind of like been a zombie company for months. But the big problem is they've built a bunch of ghost towns in China that... Have you heard this story, by the way, about how people in China, they live together in these really tiny apartments in like the big cities, but they own real estate in one of these ghost towns? And it's like a rite of passage to becoming a man to own real estate in one of these ghost towns, but to rent in the city with four of your buddies, like in a New York City style studio apartment. And that's where they live, but they own the other thing as their retirement. So they're buying that stuff. It's like Canada. They're buying that stuff as their retirement. It's like, that's loud. Um, 
no, but I've got a great new idea for a reality TV show for Netflix. <laughs> and it's just all about that. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. It's like, no, I, yeah, it's just called seven bedroom apartment uh, in the middle of nowhere, China, but I live here in this studio with my four buddies. Yeah, it's just going to be, uh, you, you don't go to like, you know, downtown Beijing or anywhere cool. Uh, it's just going to be a Netflix show called uh, Ghost Town Chinese Guy. And you just go to these ghosts and then you just film nothing going on. And I would watch two or three seasons of that and get bored. I would too, but as long as they were good cliffhanger. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, I bet they don't have Instacart in those ghost towns, though. No, so, no, no way. Talk about room for expansion. Maybe a good investment idea or opportunity. They can we, break into China, dude. Well, open open letter to the Instacart board. Go to the China ghost towns. <laughs> Let me take you directly to where everyone needs you. Yeah. There are 12 consumers, maybe 13. Um, none of them know how to use your technology. But if they were to learn, could get you over a billion valuation. Because being under is just pathetic. I just nailed the best, best, best content creation concept of all time. <laughs> uh, 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 what's the word? Parody, open letters to boards of public companies. <laughs> That's so good. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Yes. Yes. Wait, so how do you write? How do you even deliver? I'm sorry, I know how you write. How do you deliver an open letter to a board? Well, I don't think you would deliver these. Um, like if, if you're Bill Ackman and you're doing like a, you know, like his Herbalife thing and he writes an open letter to the board of Herbalife, that's like, you guys are crooks. It's an open letter. So what he did was he sent it to a bunch of news outlets, put it online everywhere so that everybody could read it. And then, you know, the board could catch wind of it too. And like, just go roast it. This is so good. Cause yeah, you can write the whole letter and you get so sarcastic or whatever with it. And then you just film yourself reading it. Right. Well, it won't write be a layer. Writer, you write the open letter as a ghostwriter persona. And then you make TikToks reading the open letter and laughing as if you're not the guy that just wrote it. And you're just like, this guy's hilarious. You've seen this open letter, to, you know? And then everybody's like, oh, wow, that's funny. And then you, they both get followings. Okay. So what if you're the ghostwriter and then I read it? Let's do it. I laugh and I giggle. I want to help you write them, though, because I'm yeah. I'm very sarcastic. And I want to talk to something no, no, like no. Carvana. And, so. Oh, this is so good. Yeah, this absolutely. is the best idea you've ever had. I know, I know. It sounds so fun to just write parody for these people. Like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. So, oh my gosh, that's going to blow up. I think that's the greatest idea. I would watch hours of that. Okay, <laughs> let's do this. Let's like write a ton of them out and then we'll figure out the filming and everything. How to do it, yeah. And then, I mean, it's funny because technically you get three months of data constantly yeah. you just write an updated letter like okay here's my 12th letter to lululemon um yep for not putting you know president's faces on the back of their leggings i can like yep. see them in public how about a uh, it's a terrible idea but i'm <laughs> like that would be hilarious open letter to nvidia to move their corporate headquarters to taiwan so that they're closer to the semiconductor company that's gonna be a good one that's gonna be a great one move to taiwan 
Uh, I mean, that's not bad. All right. So does the, the ghost rider have like, you know, all these fake on ramp capital or stupid capital names on Twitter and stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like satirical capital. I think like a Dr. Seuss capital kind of thing. And then start off each letter with like kind of a Dr. Dr. Seuss-esque poem. And then write the letter. <laughs> Just be like, I don't know. I have a lot of ideas for this. I could get really creative with this. That could be. I, th- I think, we'll, yeah, let's just, let's just plug away. Um, Cause I think, dude, did you see the interaction between what's his face? Chama and Chris Bakke on Twitter. When Chamoff was like, um, oh gosh, who is he talking about? He's talking about someone that basically defrauded a ton of investors and made out a ton of money. He was, and then someone, yeah, and he did like a one, two, three, four, five. And then someone underneath that did the same thing, but with Virgin Galactic. And he called him out in what's his name, Branson, uh, and said (laughs) the same exact thing. And then he blocked that comment on his Twitter thread and then blocked the person on Twitter. But the the tweet went crazy. Like millions and millions of people saw it. And I just I thought that was hilarious. But if you write open letters to Chamath or all these other idiots. The boards of the company companies. Open door. Um uh I don't even know if uh, uh DM is the ticker, the 3D printing company that he did. Like yeah, all of all of his SPACs, open letters to every SPAC. Every SPAC. All of them. Um, that would be so good and then we can create like a, a hedge fund and it's just like we short everything Chamath touches like we'll we'll do it Sweet greens? let's do an open letter to sweet greens and be like have you thought about serving food and not lettuce I'm so excited for you no this is your calling you're so yeah. good at writing you, you need to stop the pod right now and just start writing all these start writing everything I rip rip these companies apart which yeah. is Man, I'm so pumped. This is going to be good. This is going to tail right into all of our secret venture for the wealth management space. And this is going to drive in a lot of traffic, Yep, which is great. It's awesome. So that's a good idea. Let's move on to the next thing real fast because I want to get into it. Yeah. Um, I found an interesting VC firm. Very interesting VC firm. Hear hear me out here. They're called Speaker Capital, I believe is what it is. Uh, Okay. And their whole strategy, I I actually kind of like this. Their whole strategy is they said, hey, there are all these people coming out of Y Combinator. And all these people coming out of Y Combinator has they have these companies that actually kind of make sense. Um, But they're all stupid dreamers. We know a few stupid dreamers that come out of California that are like, I want to make $100 billion or nothing. Um, Right. And so... They're like, yeah, they're all these YC guys that want to hit home runs and they're sitting on doubles, right? And it's like, we just buy their doubles so that they can go do the next thing. And so all they're doing is they're just getting YC founders out of the current startup, buying their current, buying their company. And then just being like, we're just going to mature this in the actual market that it exists. No, it's not a unicorn, but it's good. So so are they buying it super overvalued because these people are their dreamers. No, dude. These are, I mean, these people that are dreamers want out. They're like, this idea is, right, you have an option. Either a, they're like, this idea is not going to work for whatever reason. You know, it only worked in market channel A, not B, C, D, E, or whatever. It was only, yeah. whatever it was. Um, 
there's all of them that keep them from being scalable, truly scalable. And it's like, okay, their their buy box is one million dollars in annual recurring revenue, and they will pay between five million. Interesting. So it's not bad. Like, it's decent. And then they're just like, yeah, we buy between five and ten million. We bring it to five to ten million in annual recurring revenue, and then we sell it. It's like for what multiple five x. Yeah, I mean that's where PEs will buy in is probably around that range for SaaS products. And so yeah, you buy it for sell it for five x or so. And so they just hit up all these YC founders once they're through YC. Yeah, and they're like, hey, what did you have a unicorn? And the YC founders like, no. And they're like, do you want to try again? And the YC founders like. Yeah. And they're like, I'll buy what you have and you can go try again. And then they're just soaking up a bunch of doubles while those guys try to hit home runs. It's beautiful. That's pretty smart. I just tried Googling and I can't find Beaker Capital BC. Um, oh, I go on Twitter. Uh on Twitter, the what their main guy's Rob Hunter. So he was right. he was a he was a Y Combinator guy too. Bankrupt at twenty nine, eight figure exit at thirty six. Beaker Ventures. Oh. Beaker Ventures. Interesting. I love these guys. Shout out to him. Oh, man. He's in Canada. He probably knows our boy Andrew. Oh, probably. He probably liquidates to Andrew. He probably is buying these things out of White Combinator, filling them up to the size that's Andrew's buy box, and then just liquidating them to Andrew. That's what I would smart. That's exactly what yeah. he's doing on Twitter. He's only at 8,500 followers. He's not followed by Andrew or anything, but doesn't mean anything. Paris on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I mean, there's, what, 15, 16 people max in Canada? So... Anyway, no, um, I didn't share people's business ideas or anything, but I'm pretty sure on his Twitter he has his deck. So, advice, yeah. go copy exactly what he's doing because it's a brilliant idea. Absolutely brilliant idea. I wonder why he puts his deck on here. Does he have a, a fund then? Yeah. And just yeah, raising, they're raising, I want to see the website. They're raising capital for the fund. So, I'm sure it's not. I, I got him through. A, oh. Um, that's what it is. So who knows how far deep they are into it, but they have the deck. Yeah, no, they don't They don't have anything. I'm just trying to Google his name and everything. They have nothing. So hey, if you're listening to this pod and you're interested on how to create a fund and everything, hit us up, we'll show you in two seconds, and then we'll build you a website too. Like this guy, huh. super smart, 8,500 followers, but he's got nothing built. Well, technically you're not back. supposed to. I mean, technically you're not supposed to. If you're doing the 506B raise, it's not supposed to be publicly advertised or anything. And so mm. that, right? Like when I had the hedge fund, I wasn't allowed to put anything about it on my website. Not a single thing. Um, the word hedge fund could not be on my website. So anyway. Wow. So if he doesn't have anything else going, then the website. But Putting the deck on Twitter is definitely a violation of that. So, I don't know. I don't know if it says that explicitly. Yeah. And if it says, like, you can't put it on Twitter, he'll be like, it's on Twitter, it's on X. Oh. You never said anything. Oh. Well, well, update the rules, dog. The rules say Twitter. Sorry. <laughs> no. They're going to be very general. They're going to be like, uh, the internet. Social yeah. media. Yeah. I also saw online. I fought on Truth Social, so uh, they didn't cover that one's. 
<laughs> oh man, you think Trump's gonna go in? Gonna go in what jail or what? We on this fund? No, no, no. Oh. Yeah, dude. Into his fund. By the way, I haven't thought about offering deals on on Truth Social. I'm sure there's got to be some deals that just really appeal to that audience that you can be like, go find LPs here. I'm sure there's LPs there. So. Yeah, I mean, you can find yeah, you can find LPs, but dude, it's like total blatant. Can't do that to just be like, hey, here's a deal. Do you want to invest in it on any social media? True social included. You can't go post on there and be like, hey, you can't if, look at this deal. You can't if the deal's the right kind of thing. If it's a 506C deal, then yeah, you can do that wherever the hell you want. You can put it on billboards. Um, so it matters. Yeah. Or commercial real estate where there's just no regulation. Yep. And you get have no idea millions of emails. For those who have no idea what we're talking about, they should go join FundHub. Go check out FundHub where we will coach on how to do this. That's it. Anyway, so that's one thing. The other thing, dude, is I want to talk about the secondaries market because I also got a pipeline recently into the secondary mm. where people were offering shares in SpaceX and Stripe and a couple of other things that I didn't recognize, but I'm sure are very big because they were also on that list. Um, and then it made me remember what has gone on a little bit with uh, the Emerge group that I'm in which is there was a guy who came and presented to the Emerge group. Uh, it was like how to vet and underwrite deals. So you know I joined that meeting because I was like, yeah, let's see what this is about. There's this guy who invested in Green Coffee Company. They had done their Series C and he invested in them. And he invested in them like back in their Series A. And so he put in like $300,000 and it's worth like $3 million now or something. Like he's, he's on paper, of course. And at the end, huh? Good for him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of luck, but. It's my one win. <laughs> it's my one win. But I asked him at the end, and he really perked up at this. I asked him at the end. I was like, hey, man, like, have you ever thought about just, like, liquidating 300000 of your position and just playing with house money the rest of the way? And he was like, yeah. I don't really know how to do that, but, you know, I talked to some people, and I thought about setting up a fund to, like, get some liquidity out of it. And I was like, oh yeah, I know how that works. We should talk about it. And he was like, oh really? Like, well, what do you do? And I was like, well, what you do, this is beautiful. This for all the listeners, this is the insider information right here. You want to get some liquidity out of your private investment. Set up a fund, raise $10 million. You go to the company and you tell them you want to make a tender offer for secondary market on their, on their shares. So what you're saying is, I want you to tell all of your shareholders to sell whatever shares they want. And you're going to do a blind bid auction, uh, Dutch style, blind Dutch style bid auction, where basically all the share letters, shareholders have to write in a little letter how many shares they're willing to sell and at what price. And they send it all in and you take your $10 million and you start filling the shares from the lowest price to the higher price until you've spent all $10 million of your dollars. So if the shares are reasonably valued at thousand dollars a share some of those shareholders man they may have this guy dude he might have sold considering he 10x he might have sold one tenth of his shares at eight hundred dollars a share or something to get his money back and you get buy it at eight hundred dollars a share when it's valued at a thousand and maybe a bunch of people do that and now you get in at a big discount because you're buying up all of those and then anybody that bid at a thousand or over 
well, they bid too much and they didn't get they didn't get their shares allocated. Um, yeah, but that's all right. I I understand completely giving out the tender offer, everything. There's no way this company that has a million things going on is going to be like, oh yeah, let's do that for our shareholders. I feel like they, I mean, they could. All right, hear me out. I'm with the idea. I think it's really good. Uh, that's true. To liquidate a little bit. They have founders here. Secondary. We'd be up like thousands of percents. It, okay. Does this exist? There's This has to exist. Yeah, people do companies just going to private companies and being like, hey, we can help you liquidate. This is how it works. So when I told you I had the thing into Stripe or whatever, that's exactly. So what happens with Stripe is you put together a fund, you go to Stripe, you say, hey, I want to do a secondary offering. Stripe, the board can approve it or not approve it. Like you're just shooting your shot. But if the board says, yeah, we'll offer a Tinder offer, we'll do it. You know, maybe they want to liquidate whatever pre-IPO. That's it, dude. And then you invest into that fund. The fund goes and buys the shares. And now you're a shareholder of Stripe pre-IPO. Interesting. Interesting. And it can be with any level of the company. Yep. Correct? Yep. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. This is how the game works, dude. Okay. So let's say hypothetical ABC startup just exits YC. So let's take it back to Homeboy's example with this pitch deck. You know, there are some home runs and unicorns, but there are some decent companies just doing a million ARR. If you want to buy, maybe not like the whole company, but just buy the founder out. Actually, no. Yes, you don't want to deal with that board. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Now, I don't know. That's not true. I don't think you can just buy the founder out because with equal level shareholders, everybody should get equal access to the deal. That's why you do the blind bid auction and everybody has to write down how much they're willing to sell at what price. Everybody should, everybody has to have access to to the liquidation. I learned that when I was with MyRealm because MyRealm was going to sell shares into the investment banking raise or the $250 million raise. They were going to liquidate shares into it. And the board was like, yeah, let's do our shares. And then we were like, oh, but then we have to include everybody else that has their shares. And we were like, well, none of them are going to get filled. So F that, you know, like yeah. people shares that would give it away for 10 cents. So anyway. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So if you have to include it to everyone. So hypothetically, you could just raise a fund. All right. So is your inside scoop a fund already that you talked to? Uh, yes, that's how they would do it. Yes. Okay. But they have a fund. Is this the guy that you talked to already that you went to his green coffee, whatever? No. Guy? No. No. So different guy with a different inside scoop. The secondary. Totally different thing. Totally different thing. Awesome. Awesome. That's Brandon James, everybody. Uh, at 4.30, he thinks of one thing and then 4.32, different guy. (laughs) New, new, new idea. I've spread it everywhere. I've spread it everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You like Genghis Khan? Um, yeah, getting it all. All right. So where, where's? Okay. So this is where my mind is going. A, we have to do those open letters to Carvana and every company. B, I mean, you could easily, if you have a fund, get all this information off of. TechCrunch and every similar website to be like, who just raised a Series B, right? 
or who raced a Series B a year and a half ago and has not raced a C, and they're probably wanting out. Something like that. And you can like find probably a lot of these types of companies. But if you're buying the shares, you most likely just want a piece of the company at a discount to what already exists, correct? I think that would be the smartest point. Like you can write things in your bid that's like, we won't go over this price. Yeah. So these companies exist. They go to all of these private Series B, Series C companies. They're like, hey, do you want to liquidate? Get a little bit of secondary action. Because you hear that all the time on like, my first million these other podcasts like really smart great founders they're like hey did you raise this that's great did you take secondaries and that's what it's referenced as is like did you liquidate in the secondary market and then like take some cash off the table essentially project like yeah you're losing I, i mean this is what private equity does this is called recapitalization Ooh, okay it's literally what they're private equity funds that do this. They are recapitalization private equity funds. They go to these groups before IPO. They buy a large tranche pre-IPO, liquidate everybody else out of it, and then they're on. You got to really like the business then, or know that it's like at even if at a discount, you get it at a good price, right? Because they can have a Series D that's just stupid, way overvalues the company, and even if you get it at a discount, it doesn't matter. You know? Yep. So I'm thinking, all right, so hypothetically, we've got 10 million, we got 100 million fund. Okay. Would you rather go after the Series D companies or Series A, Series B type uh, companies series and offer D. secondaries? Series D. Really? Yeah. Why? Series A and B, I mean, most, you don't see that a lot there because those people aren't doing, they're not open to secondaries yet. They are more on, I'm going to do my next series round. Oh, you want to invest in me? Great. Invest in the next round. I'm not going to just like, yeah. they, the boards are, it's not mature. How long has Stripe been around? Like 10 years or 15 years? 12 plus years. Yeah. Like yeah. Easy. Much more mature. There are people that have been holding on to Stripe stock for 15 years, including the founders. Series A? Yeah. 18 months? Like they don't care. They don't care. And they're seeing their, their, like, why would they liquidate to you if they're seeing their paper wealth increase, you know, basically at a thousand percent. That's a good call. Yeah. You're going to have way more activity with these series D companies. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. But why would a company even, so let's say it's valued at 2 billion, 1 billion. Why would they listen to somebody with a $10 million fund and be like, yeah, we don't care. Like we're going to talk I'll, to all these PE groups. I'll, I they probably wouldn't. Yeah. 10 million was a number that I used as an example for Green Coffee Co. 10 million is not enough. Not even close to enough. No. Mm-mm. Yeah, you got to you got to offer some amount of money that would just be Yep. You and, you fund what you're what you're telling the board. Here's what you're you're selling the board. And this is true for even if you're buying big tranches of a public company like a Warren Buffett. You're selling the board on this. I am going to be a good shareholder. I'm going to vote along the lines that your business wants to go. I am going to take a reasonable chunk of this business as an under ownership. So if it's a billion dollar business, you're going to buy 5%. So you're going to buy 50 million. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's 
that's what you're doing. Uh, and and then, yeah, there you go. You go make your offer. So, and that's what these private equity groups are doing. That's what Warren Buffett does. That's what everybody does. You sell the board. I'm a good shareholder. I want a good chunk of your company. Make a tender offer so I can buy it. Yeah. And then sometimes if they don't, so you can do secondaries at handshake. Like, like you don't have to have a fund and do a tender offer. Braden could go to an owner of Stripe right now and ask to purchase that owner's shares. The problem is that one transaction has to get approved by the board. And so if you do that with 10 different owners, now the board has to approve 10 different transactions and they could all be different prices or whatever. That's confusing. So you just do a fund to do one transaction that has to get approved by the board and everything goes yeah. fine. Um, so that's, you know, there's there's ways to scale it, but you could do a secondaries offering. You go you go buy somebody's Series A shares tomorrow if you wanted, as long as the board approves it. And they can't do too many of those or else they become registered shares and they become publicly traded. So the whole thing is like, yeah. there's a volume amount, you know, uh, all, like all kinds of weird strict restrictions to keep it unregistered shares. Yeah. Um, so. All right, now say the, say the clippable thing. We got a $500 million business. Somebody got in when it was $5 million valuation, basically an idea. And then they were stupid. They said, oh, this idea that, you know, takes voice and then turns it into something and you can do whatever. Uh, you can take that $5 million valuation. You put 500 k in. Okay. So you have what? 10% of the company. And then it's now worth $500 million. So that 500k is 50 million 50 yeah golly it's fat owner yeah yeah they probably want to take some chips off the table yep that's amazing at least take 500,000 off the table i mean my gosh like something no i mean okay you're right you can play with house money if you invest or you want to do that but yeah okay it completely matters upon what you're trying to do from a tax strategy standpoint and then your investment objective right if i had that kind of win i'm going to realize like mm, that's probably one of the best wins i'll ever have like on a vc or startup that just crushed which is great uh i would i would take more secondaries i'd be like yeah out of that 50 i'll leave 45 ish still in i'll take 5 million and i'll go use that for the fun stuff that I want to do. This is where it takes guts to be Silicon Valley VC guy. You're talking the guys like Peter Thiel, Mark Andreessen, all these guys. They just say, F it, leave it till the IPO. And, you know, like sometimes it collapses, but sometimes it's like, oh yeah, well that 50 million. I mean, yeah, you're leaving oh, what? 90%, 95% still in. Yep. The hard uh, that that decision is like, should I get out now while I have this big win? Because companies can still fail at that point. Absolutely, they can still fail. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. Like Instacart, there's no way it's whatever valuation it was, $660 million, right? But it was worth billions and billions just in 2021. But yeah, things can happen. It can go down on paper. Right. But I'm saying the guys that got in at the $5 million valuation, they wrote a 500K check, just a massive amount of money. And they said, yeah, here we go. I, let's take it back. Let's make it a little bit more reasonable. Let's say they wrote 50. Yep. 50 at five. So they're just at a 5 million total out of the 500 yep. million valuation, which is totally more reasonable. They could take the 500K out or the what? 50K out, which is their initial thing. I would still take 
I don't know. Depends on their appetite, what they're wanting. I would still take a million or two off the table to be like, great, this made me what I wanted and turn it into this. The rest will just grow. I'm fine with that. Hey, if I did, it's just, it, it's a net worst play. Fast, I, I, I rolled up PitchBook. Just, I mean, this is just a good closer on Instacart. I rolled up PitchBook. Their post-money valuation on March 2021 was $39 billion. They've raised $2.86 billion through August of 2023. Okay, so they're not $660 million valuation. That would be interesting if they were. They could be $66 billion valuation. I don't know. Maybe they doubled the... No. No, they're not. There's no way. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this out. Uh, and Billy, okay, I was right. It wasn't the it wasn't the teens. It was fourteen billion after stock pops. Yeah, so that's where I got the teens. I saw it they somewhere. opened at they opened at ten billion, but still they were thirty nine billion in twenty twenty one. So that's you know what sucks for those people is if so. This is where it sucks. Let's say you do the strike op secondary, you buy in at yeah, like I said, deep discount. So they were thirty nine billion in March. So you bought in at even thirty billion or. 25 billion or 20 billion whatever right huge discount sorry you just got cut in half i mean yeah it's timing you can get slaughtered yep so if you're investing that kind of money like when the rest of the market and tech has had like skyrocket you're asking for it i guess but instacart with the drop that it's had and if you got in you know pre-ipo some sort of secondaries then you know it started at nine billion and now it's at 14 yeah you're having a great day whatever you put in true it's very true so you know you know what they say braden buy high sell low yeah classic classic keeps the market round baby anyway so that's all i have for today man lots of off-market investment talk it's great that's where i thrive it's my home yep well, this has been the pod, everyone. Glad we talked through it. Uh, for everyone listening and wanting to do it best, uh, just reach out. That'd be cool. But if you want to ask questions, we love answering those. Have those podcast episodes occasionally. 737-210-3054. Thank y'all. Um.